Would you guys please get on your feet for my friend, Greg Kimball. Well, wow, that's, that's a heck of an intro. Um, I have uh, his book and my book together. And uh, it, it's, there's a little bit of a joke in here, because what do you get when you cross a church boy with a homeless person? <laughs> Apparently a millionaire. So, you know, you can come from anywhere. You can make anything. Um, but just first and foremost, uh, shout out to everything that they're doing. Um, if you're here for whatever reason, they've touched your life in some way or they're about to touch it in a massive way. Um, so just let's give them a round of applause for just what they do. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, just a question for you guys. How many people out there are self-employed? Now just so you know, every hand should have gone up. Everybody is self-employed. You are the CEO of your life and your brand, right? What's your number one job as the CEO? When I'm coaching businesses and I go from, I mean, we were just coaching a business where they have $1.3 billion on under management. And he said, okay, well, what's my number one job? This is CEO of the company. Just so you guys know, a billion dollars is more than what my company has. So he's asking me, how, what, what, what is my number one job? Your number one job is to define reality. Think about it. If you're, the, job, if you're the, the owner of your life, or if you're managing, or if you're out there doing whatever it is that you do, if you forget to tell your company the laws of physics on when to show up, and how to act, and the culture, and you're living it, it's kind of like trying to scale chaos. So now, if everyone, now that we've agreed that everyone's actually self-employed, how many people want to raise? Mm? Okay, so if we just talked about who the CEO is, who do you got to talk to to get that raise? Go look in the mirror. Your raise is going to be effective right when you are. Okay, so think about that. Here's what I want to do is help you guys understand the importance of clarity. This is the big problem in America. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Right? How many times have you heard that? We're, we're, a, a, we're promoting a whole bunch of, let's just start a bunch of stuff and finish nothing. So the thing that I want you guys to start doing is get clear on your goals. You can do anything in the world that you want. You can't do everything. That's the problem, is everybody's trying to do everything. And so I'm going to help you guys understand just how important clarity is with a very interesting story about my family. And, and my parents are actually here. They live in Wyoming, anytime I'm speaking, and if they can kind of get there, if they have to hobble, if they have to drive, however they're, they're gonna get here. Where's, where's my mom and dad? Look, look at those guys. They're awesome. So, this is gonna be an amazing education on how important clarity is. It starts out when I was about seven. And I hear this word at school. And I am driving home with my dad and I say, you know, Dad, I heard this word. And every time someone would say it, and I didn't know what it was, 
they would kind of laugh. And I want to know what this word is. And he says, well, Greg, what's, what's the word? And I said, well, the word's orgasm. And he goes, hmm. Hmm. You know, you know when you sneeze and your whole body is kind of tingly? It's like that. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I've, I've had one of those. That's great. <laughs> so fast forward, fast forward to Thanksgiving about six, seven months later. And we are, and now background on my family, pretty much everyone in my family from some walk of life or another, academia elite. My grandfather was a professor emeritus at uh, um, Duke University, that little school. Um, my my uh, aunt is one of the number one biochemists in the entire world. I mean, you know, little things like that. So we're in Durham, North Carolina. Also, my grandmother was the very first paid woman guidance counselor. Shout out Wyoming for actually caring about women, all right? So that's pretty cool. Got a lot of education in the family. Um, so anyway, we fast forward about seven months. We're sitting at the dinner table around all of Duke's academia and my aunts there and everything. And I put a bunch of pepper on something. Yes. This happens. All of a sudden, that was a great orgasm. <laughs> My mother goes, what? Grabs me, snatches me into the other room, tells me in unbelievable vivid detail on what I just said that I had. I walk back in, guys, I did not have an orgasm. I need you to know that right now, okay? So. You tell me, is getting clear on things important? Yeah, maybe just a little bit, right? So that, that leads me to the ABCs of success. ABCs of success. I actually want to go completely backwards on that. So, and it's really easy. Jot it down if you can. But the ABCs of success is number one, C, clear. Get clear on what you want to do. Not on everything you want to do, on one thing that you want to do. You want to be great in. You don't want to be good. You want to be great. Get clear. Then the B part of this, believe. You've got to believe you can do it. If you don't believe you can do it, how likely are you that you're going to achieve that? Probably not very. A, action. You got to take action. How many people just want to talk about a bunch of stuff, not do a bunch of stuff, right? We're in this like mode of just talking and talking and let's take action. Well, I gotta wait until everything's right. I gotta wait till it's perfect. No, you don't, you gotta take action. Put one foot in front of the other. That's all you gotta do. It's really that simple. And so I'm gonna help you guys understand just a little bit about my life, go into helping you understand a little bit of my philosophy. And I want you to think about something just really quick. In five years, you're going to arrive. But where? No matter what, in five years, you're going to be there. Now, do you want to show up at a well-designed life or an undesigned life? What do you think is going to be better? Now, we go back to this clear. We go back to this believing. We go back to taking action. That's what I want you guys to actually understand is these plans, these goal setting, these kind of events really matter. I was just... I was talking to Jeff over here. Also, shout out Jeff. Let's, come on. The people behind the scenes. So, 
here's the thing, here's the thing that we have to understand about just the clarity uh, and how important it is and how important following through on following through on this, this whole idea of the five-year plan. My wife looked at me nine years ago when we were homeless together. There's a reason it's the homeless millionaire. I lived in a car for about a year trying to figure out my life. Finally got into a place. She looked at me with tears streaming down her face and she says, I, I don't know how you do it. I just woke up, so I'm very confused on what's happening. I have no idea what I had just been doing. And uh, she says, you know, you're sleeping like a baby. We have, our phones are turned off. We've eaten ramen for the last three weeks. And we have an eviction notice on our door. How the hell are you sleeping? I worked at Wells Fargo as a personal banker. And I, I was able to come in and know that I could kick ass for this corporation. I could make money. I could put it in the bank. And I could do this. And I knew that my bills were going to get paid. Now, you have no idea where or if a dollar is going to come through our door. How the hell are you sleeping? And I said, wow, that's interesting. I guess I would be a lot more scared if I woke up every single day knowing exactly what my life was worth. I want to be able to wake up and say I can go. I, the best way to predict the future, guys, is to create it. Create it, right? And I want to be able to wake up and say, hey, you know what? I, I want an Aston Martin. How can I go make that happen? I want to not get evicted. How can I make that happen? Because if the eviction notice shows up on your door and, and you have that hourly job, it's already too late. You, you, there's, no, like, there's no extra hours in the day because then you have to start paying overtime. And there's all these rules and there's this. You've got to be able to create money for yourself, right? That, that was such a wake-up thing, a wake-up call for me because if you think about it, now this five years, I, I figured, you know what? If I don't start planning, I don't know where I'm taking my wife in five years. So we sat down, and this is why I think marriages that do business together, Doug and I just did an impromptu podcast. We were sitting here before the event, and he's like, dude, you want to just throw down on a podcast real quick? And we did, and we got into how important is it when husband and wives are an actual team. Imagine that. That's crazy. But if you think about it, we're, we're, we're taught, and me being in education, I'm looking at all these people who are doing education, and you're doing all your work, you're doing all your work, you're doing all your work, you're doing... What happens if you and I are in the same class? And I look over and I say, do you remember the teacher saying this? What's that called, guys? Cheating, right? Well, we're... no, I call it collaboration. <laughs> we're, we're measured on how effective can we be by ourselves in school, but then we're out, yeah, that guy's not a real team player. We weren't taught to be. So let's start collaborating. So no wonder it's so hard in our relationships when we're in a marriage. Stop looking at my test. This is mine. We don't need to do that. You gotta be a team. Remember, it's not a 50-50 situation. We both gotta bring 100 to the table, right? So going back to the clear thing. If, has, has anybody like, do you guys, I mean, like he said, I've read over 1,400 books. I'm addicted to this stuff. I've already gotten four hours in Audible on 2x speed in today. That's eight hours of information. I go hard, and I'm not going to stop. Dare I say, maybe I have massive momentum? Hmm? So here's the thing. If you read books like I do, you, there's this reoccurring thing that kind of happens all the time, and that's you have to be 
before you can do, and you have to do before you can have. We've heard that. Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, all the like the greats. You have to be before you can do. You have to do before you can have. It's very simple, right? You have to become something. So instead of you working, I want a bigger house. I want a better marriage. Are you becoming a better husband? A better wife? Because if you're not working on becoming a better spouse, you're not going to have the better marriage. Having is a byproduct of being something and then doing that being. But here's one thing that I think they got wrong. You have to be before you can do. You have to do before you can have. We're missing a step, guys. What if I'm not exposed to and I don't see what I can be? So you got to keep your eyes open at the beginning because right when you realize it's possible, Doug proves that it's possible. I prove that it's possible. And in so many different areas of your guys' life, you have proven to other people that it's possible. It's possible, guys. And that's the thing that we're missing. Expand your mind big enough so that you know what is out there, what is possible. Because then you can say, I can become that. I can become that. Then guess what? You get to do that. But we've got all the pretenders out there taking a picture next to the Lamborghini to check out what I have. And then the owner walks up. Yeah. Having is a byproduct. B plus do equals have. If you keep raising your B, your do raises automatically. That's just the way it works. It's, a, it's like the life mathematical formula. It's that simple. It's like one plus one. And then you raise what you are, two plus one. Now it's, the having is three. That's more, just so you know. All right? So you've got to be exposed to these things. That's what I just want you to think about that. And that's why like, I was talking to him when I got here. He said, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you this? I said, I love things like this. Because here, think about it. We get to hang out with a bunch of people who are either doing great stuff or want to do great stuff. That's, that, that's some people I want to hang out with, right? But so many people, let's go to the club. Hmm, what do they want to do? Let's go to this. Hmm, what do they want to do? This is where every, I mean, Doug and I were able to change each other's lives because we showed up to an event like this. Come on, guys. This is where all the magics happen. Because here's the thing. If you start getting around other people who become more, and then they do more, the having happens. But then once you're around and you're in that community, this plus sign becomes multiplication because you're around the right people. Doug is a multiplier of my life. I want to do the same for him. I guarantee you that you guys in here, if you work together, maybe started saying, hey, what did, did you get this on this test? Like, collaboration's okay, guys. That stuff needed to stop in school. We got to change that. That's why he has Valor Global. He knows that it has to change. And he's a change agent, a disruptor. We got to dis... And, and I mean, we're not working so hard to stay the same, right? 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 There we go. Okay. I'm just making sure you're with me. Okay. So I'll just go through this next part really quick. It's really, really easy. It's called my snowplow principle. So when I was going through the fantastic thing, this is an amazing story. One of the greatest moments of my life when I had my first divorce, super easy, no emotion involved. I was just able to walk away. She didn't want anything. I might be lying. But anyway, it resulted in me just packing up whatever I could in my car. I'm from Arizona, it's only rear wheel drive. So I just pack up my car and I just say, you can have everything, I'll see you later. And I just drive to Colorado because 
I was born in Wyoming, and if worst case happened and Denver didn't work out, I could move in with mom and dad because they've always got my back. I get to Denver. Well, no, I'm on my way to Denver, snowplow principal. And so I'm on my way thinking, and you always start off like really big, stupid decisions like, yeah, this is such a good idea. You know, 14 hour long drives, you get, there's, there's these things that happen to you. Yes, I'm pumped. Wait, I don't have any money. I, I don't, my credit score, if you run my credit, it, it came back LOL. Wasn't even a number. <laughs> like, hey, can, can I get this apartment? <laughs> That's what the machine would ask. Like, I've never seen the machine spit that number out. That's weird. So anyway, I'm coming up over Vail Pass, and it's and rear wheel drive, so I'm crabbing back and forth. And because I'm in a Nissan Armada, but it's only rear wheel drive, I'm a wiper blade. They let me through because I have an SUV, but it's from Arizona. They shut the thing, and I'm going through, and I'm like, okay, uh, I can't see the guardrail because there's so much snow. I have no idea if this is a good idea. Now it's a really bad idea. Start off, I'm going to take over Denver. I'm the, I'm, I'm the takeover king. This is going to be amazing. I'm so pumped. And then it got to, what? I, don't, I have a bad credit score. I, don't, I have like $4,000 to my entire name. I don't know anyone there. I don't have anything to actually do as a business. I kind of could maybe do a studio. And then it was back down. I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Long story short, I start over the past and I really like start having a, like, hmm, am I going to die? Nah, maybe I'm not going to die. But what if I did? That'd be interesting. No, I'm not gonna die. And I, like, I, every emotion goes through. I'm so scared. And then, and I'm a huge Broncos fan, so it's not, <laughs> come on, yeah, right? Okay, full disclosure, I can speak to this audience because you guys are gonna appreciate it way more than most because I get a lot of booze normally. <laughs> the, full, the full, real, honest to God truth of me moving to Denver was because DirecTV Sunday ticket is expensive and I was so tired of walking into the bar and listening to the Cardinals audio. And I said, if I'm gonna be homeless, I'm walking into a bar and I'm listening to my team. I'm not kidding. So, so I'm such a, and, and all my friends from Arizona, they're like, okay, you're nuts. Um, and so blue and orange lights appear behind me and I'm like, ah, oh, the Broncos. <sighs> this is so good. Turns out it's a snowplow, uh, a little different, but it, it, it gave me this whole time to think because it passed me and I started snaking down the hill, and that snowplow saved my life that day. That day. And we probably followed it, or I followed it for, I don't know, an hour and a half. And I began to think, I don't know anybody. I don't have any money. I don't have this. I don't have that. And I'm staring at the back of the snowplow, and I went, what if I found a snowplow for my And so I started calling all the studios, and I started trying to figure out who can I follow down the mountain? Who's pushed the snow out of the way already? Who has figured it out already? But here's the thing, that's why in my company I have this rule of threes. Because if there's a snowplow for you, and you're getting all this help, what do you need to be for someone else? A snowplow. So you can never be the best person. You can never be just behind the best person. You always have to be both a mentor and a mentee. This is key, guys, because you teaching stuff is going to make you learn better than you can possibly imagine. So teach it as much as you can and just try to help people as much as you can. Imagine if everyone had this snowplow principle. I wouldn't have to look over my back because I'd have 9 billion people watching my back. But right now, everyone's like, 
everyone thinks someone's out to get them. So let's stop doing that, right? So I'm going to tell you two more stories, and then I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here. I made it down the hill. I, I tried to work for a bunch of other people for a long time. And, uh, and, and just to kind of let you know, super brief, I had $4,000. And I said, you know what? I can either finance a bed, or I can finance my dreams. I found someone who, could, who, who would let me into a 400-square-foot uh, office building. I slept in my car, ran all my business out of there, and I worked for myself. Now we're over 36,000 square feet. We're going to open our third location. And we ha we, we, we've served over 1,000 students that are coming through. Thank you, guys. Don't be scared to bet on yourself, guys. Wow. You are so, so much more powerful than you realize. Um, two more stories, and then we're going to call it. This is a story, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but I just, I want to really hammer it home because this is where my big concept comes from of the final percent. Um, started, started out with a, uh, a story that I heard from uh, um, this book. I God knows what the book was. Um, they kind of blur together after a little bit, you know? I'm like, I've heard this before 17 times. Um, that's why I love Doug's book. If you guys have not actually read it, and if you can't read, if you're dyslexic, go buy the audio. Just, I'm telling you, it's, if you haven't actually done it, it's so much better than you guys think it is. Like, if you haven't, and have you guys read it? Badass, right? It's so badass. So I'm just telling you, do yourself a favor. Trust me, after 1,600 books or 1,400 books, whatever my Audible says, I'm telling you guys, if I can learn something, trust me, you, you guys are going to get hit super hard. It's, it's awesome. Um, but in one of the books, I heard this story, and it hit me so hard. It's about Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill gets a new executive assistant. And he says, hey, I really need you to drop this proposal, and I need you to do this. And just uh, sets it on, on, uh, on her desk. And, or no, it was, a, it was a him, if I remember correctly. Sets it on his desk. And he comes uh, back in, has the proposal already. And Winston Churchill says, OK, I'll get to this in a minute. And the guy goes out to lunch, and he comes back. and on. On his desk, it just says, was this your best work? The guy goes, hmm, I wonder what, they say he's kind of an asshole to, to, to work for, but maybe he's seen something I'm not, let's, I could probably do this better. I could do, okay, that, I could do this, 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 and, okay, yeah, I, I could probably do a little bit better on this. So he takes a day, drafts up this beautiful proposal, puts it on his desk, he goes home for the night, the assistant walks in the next morning, and it's sitting on his desk, and it says, was this your best work? And he goes, crap, I could have done this, and I could have done this, and I could have done this. Man, okay, all right, I, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. He redoes it. This happens two or three times. And then the guy goes, okay, this guy has to be messing with me. I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to pay for my own this. I'm going to get like that hard stock paper, like the stuff that feels like parchment, like you just Dead Sea scroll a proposal, you know? It's getting pretty cool. He does all this stuff, turns it in, and he gets it back again. He says, this, was this your best work? And he's going, what is he seeing that I'm not seeing? And he goes, OK. He takes three days, pulls out all the stops, asks his friends, vets his friends, talks to the other people, starts collaborating, and starts using all of the resources that he has available to him. And he walks in and he goes, this was my best work! 
Winston Churchill looks at him and he says, okay, I'll read this one. <laughs> Guys, what if you start with your best work? What if you start with your best work? What if that's your standard? And I realized that life, and this is my last story, I promise you, I'm almost done. I realized that life actually gives you an, a, like literally just the blueprint of why your best work unlocks the exponential part of your life. Did anyone go watch the eclipse? I'm talking about the totality. Did you go to Wyoming? Did you stand in that? Yes. She, she immediately, like, it's like, you're like kindred spirits, right? When, like, you've done that. To, yes. We're part of a brotherhood now. I'm just telling you. We're like, we're, we're, we're there. Because it was crazy. I went and did that. And it's, it's really interesting because when you start out, you, you pull over to the side of the road and you're, you're so pumped. You just, you bought your glasses too late. So you like buy them from the kid on the side of the street for like $45, but they're 25 cents. And you sit down and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch the eclipse. This is going to be so cool. 30 minutes goes by and it's like, okay, so it still looks like the sun's out. You can't see anything happening. But if you put on these stupid little glasses, it looks like Pac-Man is appearing in the sky. So what, right? No, no, just so you know, no matter what happens, you cannot look at the sun. When, when the people on the news are telling you don't look in the sun, they're not kidding. Because so many times when there's like 3% left, I'm like, oh, yep, it still hurts. 1% left. It's the sun. No matter, 1% of the sun's light is not penetrating your optic nerves. I'm telling you right now, it hurts. But then something happens. That final percent happens, guys, and it goes completely dark. And it looks like it's like 9 o'clock on a summer's night, but it's all the way around. And there's not a sound happening. And you're literally sitting here, OK, there was just, I saw 1% of the sun, and it looked like it was noon, and now it's night. What is happening? And it changes everything. And what I'm, I'm, I really believe the world is telling us is it's saying that, you know what, in school when 99% when is an A, no, you're close. Because I'm telling you, I could not see that and have that experience with 99% of the experience. Right when 100%, right when that final percent happened, it changes exponentially. So when you're at 99%, when you're like, that's good enough, guys, you're close. Guys, you're close. And I want you to find the final percent of your life. It's so good. The final percent of your life is going to unlock everything. Yeah. And that's the thing that people forget, is you still have stuff left in the tank. Colonel Sanders started his dig 73. That means my dad has st still a year left before he can get the business, you know? <laughs> Ray Kroc started McDonald's at 52. So if, I'm, I'm telling you guys, if, if, if you're younger than 73, chances are you still got something in the tank. So I want you to find that final percent. And you know what? Sometimes you exhaust everything. Sometimes you do everything. And I want you to know that's okay. Every day is not created equal. But all I want you guys to do is when you wake up, Doug talks about live life on, on purpose, right? That's so powerful. I mean, think, you gotta know what's possible. 
Because if you know it's possible, guess what becomes more probable? Your purpose becomes clear. And then you can stay. You can stay on that road. He talks about living life on purpose, and this is something everyone has to have. Remember, you can't do everything, but you can do anything. And you have to have that final percent mentality. So what I'm saying is when you wake up in the morning, just say, you know what, I wake with a purpose. Just say it. I wake with a purpose. And here's the thing. This is the only thing I'm going to challenge you to do. This is the only thing that I want you to do. Do not get in bed and put your head on the pillow and sign your day back to God before you truly feel accomplished. Awake with a purpose and do not go to sleep until you feel accomplished. If you just do that one simple thing, your life's going to change forever. It's going to change forever. The other thing is, is if, let's just say that you're sick one day and you're like, Greg, I can't move. I can't do this. Here's a, a thing that I started. Learn one new thing every single day. That's it. Just something you didn't know. I don't care if it's the, the mating habits of turtles. Learn something new every day. And if, if you lay your head on the pillow and you're like, I can't think of anything I learned new today. GTS, guys. Google that. <laughs> I kind of trailed off at the, at the end because we got kiddos. But I'm telling you, just Google it. Just, hey, I can, do, I can figure out something new today. And guess what happens? You unlock so many doors once you start learning more because you can have more conversations. And at the end of the day, you're only one conversation away from changing the rest of your life. Yeah. Have conversations with people. Be open to people. But literally wake up with a purpose. Don't go to sleep until you feel accomplished. And go the final percent. And it's going to start, it's going to really, because I know we've got some health coaches in here, it's going to really piss you off in the gym. Because you're, you're going to be on the treadmill. I kind of want to get off. And then you're, this little voice, like, I'm going to be running next to you. Did you go the final percent? And you're just going to keep going. You're going to keep going. And I'm telling you, that little tiny 1% is going to change your life exponentially. It's going to change everything, guys. So with that being said, that's my time. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.